Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Early good morning, at least for me. It's uh, still pretty early here. It's it's just before 8 o'clock, and it's nice to be with you early. we got a lot going on today, so I am going to um, get this out because I still need to do the Spanish as well, and then we're going to get to church. The team is here from Albuquerque, wonderful group of young kids, and they're out staying at the mission like champs, like real missionaries. We got them set up. I think I think they're pretty well set up. They had some pizza last night, and they were messing around, having a blast, getting used to being here. So be praying for the rain and a lot of cloud cover because it's a little warm. It's a little bit challenging to stay out there without air conditioning, but we'll keep asking God to bless their time and, and to help them be great servants as we get into this Vacation Bible School week. So real quick, let's look over to this day in history, and we'll do one dad joke and just get in. Get right into the teaching. So here's our dad joke for today. What's the difference between a well-dressed man and a bicycle and a poorly dressed man on a unicycle? (laughs) That's easy. A tire. There you go. Woodrow Wilson said, life does not consist of thinking. It consists of acting. Well, (laughs) I think you better do both personally. John Dillinger killed by the FBI in this day in 1934. Well, don't be a criminal. This is the only one I really want to focus on. Lost Colony of the Roanoke. Maybe you guys in Virginia know a lot about this. I didn't. July 22nd, 1587, a group of 117 colonists land on Roanoke Island. A month later, Virginia Dare... The first English child was born in the Americas. Three years later, a relief party would return to the colony to find all of the colonists missing, including Virginia Dare. The only clue to their fate was the word Croatoan, carved on a post. Although their fate was never determined, some believe the colonists joined with the local tribes, such as the Croatans, spelled slightly different. There are other reports that the colonists were slaughtered by Chief Powhatan because they had merged with a rival tribe. So, the lost tribe of Roanoke Island. Interesting. Hmm. And that's about it for this day in history. And we will go right into the Psalms today. Back into the Psalms, 34, 43, 66. How interesting that we are jumping back uh, I don't know if they know that these were written during this time or they're just kind of mixing them in so we're not doing all of the Psalms at, at one, um, one stretch. That's kind of nice. So, Father, thank you for your presence, your, your love for us, and we do ask God that as we move into this weekend and tomorrow as we go to church that you'll be preparing our hearts, helping to get our minds again focused back on you as we come out of the work week. And uh, we are just completely, God, uh, surrender to you for the work you want to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Praise to the Creator and Preserver, Psalm 33. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praise to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters from the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stand forever. The plans of his heart from generations to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, he who understands all their work. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and on those who hope in his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord, and he is our hope and our shield. For our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. And that sounds a lot like a Psalm of David. Not putting your trust in your army or in your horses, but completely in the Lord. It sounds like whoever this psalmist is lived close to the king, at least understood the hope of Israel was always militarily in, in, in the Lord God and not in their own strength. This was not something that Saul ever really truly figured out. Solomon did, but then kind of for, forgot it. The later kings, not so much. Psalm 43, prayer of deliverance. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? You send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God my exceeding joy and upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. This is such an encouraging, this psalm can actually bring encouragement from the dire situation that the psalmist is in 
because we realize that God does not condemn depression because this person is depressed. Why are you so downcast, my soul? That is depression. It's not, God understands that we're human, we have these emotions. So that in and of itself is not sin, it's whether you stay there. It's what you do with it. And if that becomes what defines you or what actually brings you your sense of recognition with other people, you know, the negative attention. And this psalmist is admitting that his soul is downcast, but immediately he knows the answer. He says, man, I I need to put my hope and my trust in you. That's where the answer lies. And that's where we see this is so amazing on when these honest people in the Bible, these writers, just pour out their heart to God. And as they do in all those psalms, you'll see as they pour their heart out and say, well, my enemies are coming against me. Everything's going wrong. My life is in shambles. And they kind of get it off their chest. And they go, yes, but I know that you're still faithful, God. I know you're still there. I know that you're still good. And I'm going to put my hope and my trust in you. And that's what lifts them up. And that's when they go, okay, yeah, i got to get back to why I'm alive and what my purpose is. It's for my king, and he's the object of my affection. And they turn that to them, back to the king and back to their, their Lord and Savior. And things start turning around. Very helpful to know. Psalm 66, praise for God's mighty deeds and for his answer to prayer. With the choir director of song, a psalm. Again, doesn't say who wrote it, but... We can guess, I guess. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Because of the greatness of your power, your enemies will give feigned obedience to you. All the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you, and they will sing praises to your name. Selah. Come and see the works of God was awesome in his deeds towards the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. He passed through the river on foot. There let us rejoice in him. He rules by his might forever. His eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. Bless our God, O peoples, and sound his praise abroad, who keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip for you have tried us O god you have refined us as silver is refined you brought us into the net you laid an oppressive burden upon our loins you made men ride over our heads we went through fire and through water yet you brought us out into the place of abundance i shall come into your house with burnt offerings, I shall pay you my vows. With my lips uttered and my mouth spoke when I was in distress, I shall offer to you burnt offerings of fat beasts. And with the smoke of rams, I shall make an offering of bulls with male goats. Selah. Come in here, all who fear God. I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, And he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, 
nor is loving kindness from me. Hmm. That's pretty. That's pretty beautiful. Just a beautiful recognition of the power of God, hearing our prayers and listening to us, and the essential necessity of making sure your heart is clean as you come before Him, and the the value of worship, the responsibility to come before Him with the the sacrifice. Man, we have it easy, and we have it. We have the double blessing. Because we get to come before him with our praise. We don't have to bring the animal. It was all done for us. Jesus was the animal. So we have even more reason to rejoice and to come before him and know that he hears our prayers. Psalms are wonderful. All right, moving into the New Testament. Paul writing to the church of Philippi. Philippi, granted, we just saw him, you know, in the book of Acts. And Philippi didn't go so good for him bodily he kind of got beat up not kind of did but anyway the church is planted there and um through lydia the amazing woman and this church now is growing but they're living in in this roman colony i should say or outpost whatever it was and um have a lot of things going on around them they needed to focus and remember how to love, how to love each other. and need to remember what the core value of Christianity was. They had a lot of Jews around them that weren't so happy with them, the um, strict Jews. And then these other Jews are becoming saved. Imagine the difficulties of trying to figure out how to fit into the Jewish culture and their families and go to church and all these other things. So Paul's writing this letter to them. Thanksgiving is the title here. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints of of Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, I'm confident of this very thing, that you began a good work and you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment, in the cause of Christ has become well-known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. 
What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 21 again, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amazing thought. Verse 22, But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean faithful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy of the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Only conduct yourselves with a matter worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, that you too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. (laughs) Can you imagine getting a letter from somebody who came and planted your church, and you're in that church, and you get all excited, and you receive the Lord, and you're like, man, praise God, God is good. And you get this letter from a pastor and says, oh, by the way, just like I was thrown in prison for sharing the gospel, and I was beaten up and whipped, um, that's the same suffering that you guys have to look forward to. Oh, you know, praise God. (laughs) Keep serving Jesus. Don't back down. You kind of get the idea of what these first century Christians were like, don't you? They were bold, bold. Paul, he, he doesn't hold back. He says, this is kind of what you guys have on your plate here, to stand up for Jesus amongst the Jewish culture at that time, the Roman culture, the pagan whatever worshipers, um, was to make a huge, it would pretty much the same thing that goes on today in the Middle East, certainly in the Muslim countries. And thank God for those Philippian-type Christians that are still around today. And, and so, many, so often they're women saying, I'm not going to back down. Why? <laughs> for to live is Christ and to die is gain. These are people that know the meaning of those words. Full on. Not metaphorically, but reality. That look at it and say, It's better that somebody just comes and kills me because I know where I'm going. I know the God of my salvation. I know I've been set free. This is an enormous call to the church to be real followers of Jesus. I don't know how else to say it. There's so many fake. Paul talks about those who would feign their their walk with God that would kind of pretend 
to be ministering for Paul to mock him. I don't know how that worked back then. I don't know if they were doing it out of jealousy, doing it out of something to cause him harm in, in a mocking way. I, there's all kinds of false believers. People today still mock Paul, believers, progressive Christians. Oh, Paul, he was just so, he was so anti-woman and he was so this and he was, he was an egotist and he did this and he did that. I've heard these people say this and I go, man, you don't know Paul. You've not really studied Paul. Paul had abandoned himself. He was the mouthpiece of God. And he spoke the words of God by the Holy Spirit. Extremely anointed. He didn't speak on his own initiative. He spoke with God. It showed up through the Holy Spirit. So to mock Paul is to mock God. Really, it's the truth. And because this the modern age, they don't like anyone to rock their boat on their progressive agenda. So it's still happening today. But anyway, getting back to this whole thing, deliver Christ and die is gain. This applies to all of us when we are dealing with the enemy on the physical level for sure. We don't normally deal with it on the political, militarily, you know, somebody coming and shutting us down and wanting to kill us because we're Christians here, thank God, yet. But we sure get it in the flesh when we fall into severe sickness and cancer. And I have been blessed beyond measure to listen to men who are dying and women. Really sweet lady, we knew him, Santa Fe that have all come to that conclusion and been very honest about it. And to live would be great. I'd be, I could share the Lord with more people, share the Lord with my family, but to die is going home. It's a great game. And you watch them and it's real. It's not metaphorical, it's real. And they have gone home. And it's been a great game. I mean, it's been a blessing for them and it's an encouragement to the church. We know where we're going. All right, Charles Spurgeon now. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercy. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness. And thou shalt know the Lord. Hosea 2, 19 and 20. Betrothment to the Lord. What an honor and a joy. My soul in Jesus, indeed thine, by his own condescending betrothal. Then, Mark, it is forever. He will never break his engagement, much less sue out a divorce against a soul joined to him in marriage bonds. Three times the Lord says, I will betroth thee. What words he heaps together to set forth a betrothal. Righteousness comes in to make the covenant legal. None can forbid these lawful bans. Judgment sanctions the alliance. With its decree, none can see folly or error in the match. Loving kindness warrants that this is a love union, for without love, betrothal is bondage and not blessedness. Meanwhile, mercy smiles and even sings. Yea, she multiplies herself into mercies because of the abounding grace of his holy union. Faithfulness is the register and records the marriage. And the Holy Spirit says, Amen to it, as he promises to teach the betrothed heart all the sacred knowledge needful for its high destiny. What a promise. (laughs) That is an amazing promise. 
All right, let's spend some time praying ask God to bless the rest of the day together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing uh, this time we have together and ask God that you would go before us and, um, and just be the God of our salvation as we know that we can trust you in all the things that you're doing. We are so completely thankful for the, for the beauty of the world around us and the meaning that we have as we walk through the day by day with you. We're astounded how blessed we are and how good it is to be in your presence. So thank you for that and help us to be rejoicing continually in the knowledge that we have that you're the God who supersedes everything in our life and brings us into everlasting life and we know that to live now is, is, is you, to Christ, to have that relationship established like a marriage that you have promised yourself to us and we, we, that can never be broken. So that is Christ. That is now on this world. But it goes on into eternity, which is gain, because then we're with you then forever. So continue to encourage us and those that are downcast in their soul. God, bring them up with that knowledge. Help them to rise up and understand that there's much more to this life than our finances, even our health, even those relationships that are broken, that you have something very special waiting for us. But we do recognize we have some very serious illnesses going on, people that are sick and need your touch, God. There's a, there's a young woman named Heather, who's an American in the hospital right now with a very serious infection, possibly pneumonia, it's just going in. For one illness that was treated rather quickly, but she got an infection in the hospital. Now she's critical, Father. And uh, today we just ask that you would break the fever, bring her out, God. Uh, just deal with that infection. Help the doctors know exactly what it is rather than guessing and just hitting it with a th- slew of antibiotics. antibiotics. Just help them know what it is. And then more than anything, God, You can bring her out. You can touch her and bring her around. And God, in that, that she would then refocus her life around you. We know that she's a believer, God. We thank you um, that you have touched her life. So we pray for her and her husband and her mom, everyone around her, that they would, again, rededicate their hearts to you, refocus their hearts upon you this day. Thank you for that. Obviously, God, we want to thank you for the healing that's been going on with Juan Carlos's life and even Hank and the, the people you're touching, um, Maria Elena, the different people that you are bringing into um, healing in their lives right now. And uh, thank you for, for the different people that you have touched and healed through surgeries. Thank you for that, God, and that they're now recovering and getting better. So we we glorify you for this day. I ask you to continue to bless the team as they're here, the outreach. Tomorrow's service, God, just, just put your hand all over that so that we're not just there going through the motions, but we're there in your presence. And we experience that love. We experience that betrothal, that sense of belonging and family, and that we are built up, God. And we understand through your word the days we live in. So thank you. And thank you for those that will hear through the podcast. Um, and, and how you're using that, God, may it continue to go out and grow and grow strong so that people can come into your throne room, into your presence, and experience you for real. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.
So there we go for this morning, uh, early version, and we'll be doing this <coughs> probably all next week. I'll get out a podcast for tomorrow, so you can catch that on the recorded podcast, so we can continue on our reading. So with that being said, God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend. Go to church tomorrow if you have a place to go. If you don't, we'll see you live, 9 o'clock our time. Bye-bye.